Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. And uh, so when we sing of His grace, uh, remember, grace is something that is undeserved, right? Right? If we deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. What would it be? Wages. Wages. But we are saved by grace, the Bible says, uh, through faith, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast, not as a result of works, lest we be in God's debt, uh, or that God be in debt to us. We are in debt to God. We had a debt that we could not pay, and He paid it because He loved us. That's why we can love Him, because He loved us first. That's what causes us to love Him. That's a, it's wonderful to sing about. Well, if you want to be turning in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, we're going to be there in just a second. We are setting out, for those of you who are kind of this first Sunday back from a, some of our uh, summer travels, we are taking the next few months, most likely the entire school year, and we are walking through God's Word in the book of Proverbs uh, to seek to increase in wisdom, to learn what is wise, how to live skillfully, beautifully, in a winsome way, live in a way that pleases God. One of the wise actions, behaviors that we have discovered that helps people like me and you grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, grow closer to Him, grow in wisdom, is by doing it not in isolation, but with other believers. We do that most often in life groups, life groups for all ages, preschoolers, elementary kids, middle and high school students, young adults, um, old guys like me, uh, life groups. So I want you to take a look at the screen. When I think of my life group, I think of comfort. I think of um, feeling connected and new, new relationships and being part of something. encourage people to join the church-wide study group Transform because that's how I started a year ago by joining a life study group. One thing that I enjoyed about everybody as a church doing the, the study was that I felt connected. Um, it was something that I could talk with with my son because he was you know going through the same thing discussions and everything like that and then going back to my small group and discussing it into a deeper, you know, connection with them. Another special memory about my life group was when I was baptized, and it was nice to have my family there, but not just my family, but my life, uh, my support group. Um, the leader, Michelle, she was there, and they got to meet my family, and just the whole experience, and be there with me, and, you know, support me through everything. It was really comforting. It was definitely a special time. Last fall, we took a journey together. Many of you will remember we called it 40 Days in the Word, where we hit the brakes on everything we were doing as a church family, and all of us, our children, our, our uh, middle and high schoolers, all of us as adults, we took 40 days and we uh, went on a spiritual journey of how to re reflect on and work God's Word into our, our lives. It had such an impact on us that we're doing 
another spiritual growth journey like that again this fall. It'll begin the first Sunday of October and go through, the I think, the third Sunday of November. We're going to take about 50 days, and uh, we are uh, calling this Transformed. We're going to do a, a walk together with God to learn how God changes us in all realms of our life. And so uh, we're going to encourage you to, to get in a, um, uh, a Transformed uh, campaign uh, life group. It, it, just to try it on for six or seven weeks. Again, you're, some of you, many of you, hundreds of you are already in life groups. This will be an opportunity just for you to see what it's like, see if you want to continue. You also have an opportunity to be a host. If you will look into your bulletin, you find this insert that says host sign up. Now, let me tell you who can be a host. Host answer. If you have a heart for people, if you can open your home or your office or your meeting place, if you can serve a cup of coffee, and if you can turn on the DVD, you are spiritually qualified. In other words, we're creating a little plug-and-play packet for group hosts. So why don't you grab two or three friends and make a group? That's all you got to do. Last year we said, let's get 20 people in the group. That's fine. But if you want to just, you got a couple of friends, two or three friends, why don't you grab a couple, two or three friends and host a group. We'll teach you how you can sign up using this form and turning it in just a little later. It is, as Solomon would say in Proverbs, the wise thing to do. Well, take a look at Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in uh, verse, verse 1 through verse 7. It's going to be on the screen. This is God's Word. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and being instructed for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. A wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is God's Word. So Lord, now I ask that you help us to, as we continue worshiping you by engaging with you through your Word, help us to put aside the things that clamor for our attention, our hurts, our hang-ups, our, uh, our sins that are nagging us, uh, our wrong attitudes, our good attitudes, anything that would distract us from drawing near to you. And as we draw near to you, may you draw near to us. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Got a question. Have you, don't raise your hand, have you ever, have you ever done something, taken an action, or made a decision that you knew was not the wise thing to do, that you knew was not right, not legal, not good, not safe, but you did it anyway? You ever done that? Have you ever not done something that you knew was the wise thing to do, the good thing to do, the right thing to do, the healthy thing to do, the best thing to do for everyone involved? Have you ever failed to do that intentionally? Sure, I have. I have, probably will again. Hang on to that thought. We're going to cycle back to it. We've discovered, remember, that no one is born wise. 
Everyone needs wisdom. No one is born knowing and understanding the complexities of everyday living, certainly not the big, 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 big questions of, of life, but just how to live skillfully in all the realms of life, relationally, spiritually, physically, financially, in, in career and in work. And No one is born wise. We all need wisdom. And God wants to help us with that wisdom. And so, among other things, he gave us his wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Now, if we're going to understand this book, we need to understand what kind of literature it is, how God is speaking to us, because, you know, the Bible is made up of all different kinds of, of, of literature. Well, this is called wisdom literature, and it's actually a form of Hebrew poetry. You're going to be reading Hebrew poetry uh, for these next uh, nine or ten ten months. And uh, in our Western world, we don't typically read this form of poetry. Most of us don't read poetry at all. But um, uh, don't let this hinder you. So it's poetry. Number next, a proverb is this. A proverb is a, is a concise, wise saying of how life generally works. That's what it is. Now let me tell you what it's not. This is very important. These are not promises. Write that down. Every day, oh yeah, this is not a promise. Sometimes God has many promises, guaranteed promises in His Word. Proverbs are not promises. You've got to understand the type of literature. For example, one of the most misunderstood and most frequently quoted Proverbs is, is the I think it's 22.6 or along in there, that says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. As many a broken-hearted parent has discovered is not a promise. If you think that's a promise, you're going to be disappointed in God. Wrongly. Wrongly. He said, this is generally the way life works. This is generally the way life works. These are not promises to claim as promises. That's very important for us to understand. I'll probably say this every week until you're sick of it. But um, we need to, uh, to, to understand and, and God gave us these uh, proverbs to teach us wisdom since we don't naturally have wisdom. It's interesting in verses 2 through 7, uh, four of the verses start with a little preposition for. What, what's, what, are, what, what are these proverbs for? Well, first of all, it says in verse 2, they're for gaining wisdom and being instructed for understanding. So the whole purpose of the book of Proverbs is summed up in one verse, verse 2. And if you want to say, well, what does he mean? Well, wisdom and understanding. He's saying that God gave us, gives us help in two areas. Wisdom is skillful living. He wants to teach us deep character that, that is shown by skillful living, the living that pleases God and clear thinking. The ability to live skillfully, and think clearly. That's why God gave us the book of Proverbs. Do you need a little help in clarity of thought? I do. Do you need a little help in living skillfully in all the realms of life, using words wisely, eating and drinking in a healthy manner, relating to people, solving conflict, navigating business, the business world, and walking with God? you need a little help with that? Sure. God gave us the book of Proverbs to teach us skillful living and clear thinking. Clear thinking. Now, when I sent my girls to college, they said, "Now, you know, I said, you know why I'm sending you to college? Well, get a degree? Yeah, but that's not why I'm sending you. 
You know what I'm saying to you? I want you to learn how to think. Have you ever looked at someone and said, what were they? Have you ever, has that ever been said about you? Have you ever said that to yourself? What was I? Yeah, we need, do we need help with clear thinking? Understanding? Seeing that how actions are connected to consequences? We need help with that. Well, God knew uh, that we needed help with that. So, so he says, first of all, if we're going to learn wisdom, I guess we should probably define what it is. Wisdom is one of those things that people might say, define wisdom for me, and, and they, you might struggle a moment. I might struggle a moment if I hadn't been soaking in this for about six months. I said, well, I'm not sure, quite sure how to say it, but I know it when I see it. Right? Yeah, well, you see somebody living wisely, a person who is wise, you might not be able to articulate what it is, put it in, what, what, what is this that makes them this way? But I know it's wisdom. I know it when I see it. Wisdom is more than morals. Wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is more than increasing our, uh, our fact capacity. Wisdom is more than education. Wisdom is the ability to live skillfully in every area of life. Wisdom, if you want to get it down to the Bible standards, is this. It is the ability to live in a way that pleases God. There you go. There you go. It's the, the ability, not just knowing, but the ability and the doing of the living in a way that pleases God. Um, wisdom is... Uh, uh, is is described by the ancient Hebrew writers as um, as something that brings beauty to our lives. Uh, it's used in one passage of Scripture. The word here translated wisdom is used in one Old Testament passage to describe the work of a craftsman using gold and silver in the construction of the temple. It's used in another passage in the Scriptures to describe how artfully sailors use the wind and the currents and the sails to navigate the seas in success. It speaks of, of bringing beauty. Wisdom brings beauty to our lives. It says, uh, one of the Proverbs says that wisdom will bring a crown of beauty to our lives. It is, it is creating a, a life that, that uh, again, I've saying it, said it every week, that is winsome. Uh, that is beautiful, that is cleansed, that is good. We're calling it good living. Good living. Now, it's more than keeping rules. For you and I have all known good rule keepers who, who were quite successful in their own way, yet we did not like them, did we? I heard that. <laughs> if you're not laughing, we may be laughing about you. You may be... You know, I have you ever? I've, I've been a rule keeper that was not very a, a, attractive. We need more than keeping rules. We need more than keeping rules. We we need something that uh, that can somehow take us to the place where no one has to walk around with us with a list of rules, always saying, "Now don't don't do that. Don't now don't do that. Now let me check." But somehow we find that we are guided from our hearts to know and be and do the right things, the wise things, the, the things that please, that please God. Well, biblical wisdom, 
gives that to us. It is the ability to live skillfully in all realms of life. And uh, these Proverbs were given, as we read through, the context is this. It is a wise father instructing his young son in generally the ways of the world, the way that life works. He's having very clear and, and direct and wise conversations with his possibly pre-adolescent son on business and honesty and God and sex and physical health and relationships uh, of right and wrong, of, of war and, and violence, of laziness and work ethic, uh, on and on and on. All of the key areas of life, almost every key area of life we see handled in great detail here. Here's, here's the, the first takeaway for you and me. Parents, we need to be having these same conversations with our children. Are you having these conversations with your children? Not generally, but very direct from the person that is, has the most uh, care for them, the one that they trust the most, moms, dads. Are you having these conversations about these critical areas of life? Don't, you know, because the day that you're moving them to college while you're in the car, like many of you did last week and you're going to be doing this week, if to start them then, it's too late. It's too late. So how are you doing with that? Well, the good news is, if you don't know how, God will teach you how as you walk through the book of Proverbs this year. And so immerse yourself in these things. Let's go deep. Let's get into it. And so uh, the first purpose of the book of Proverbs is to give us, to teach us skillful living. That is, that is wisdom. The second purpose is to teach us clear thinking. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me... Let me drop back just a second. Go to verse 3. Let's go back to learning wisdom. For verse 3 begins to tell us how, this, how one puts themselves in the position to begin learning wisdom. For receiving wise instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. Okay, verse 3 puts us in the position of the learner. Let me see your eyes a second. Puts us in a position of the, of the learner. Now, in verse 3, circle the word, underline the word, receiving, for receiving wise instruction. This is the key word. We are, wisdom and, and, and skillful living and clear thinking is something that we receive from God. This means that we put ourselves in the position of teachability. We put ourselves in the ability and the, uh, in the position of, of humility. I become teachable. I become willing to receive from God. I'm willing to be taught. It speaks, when the Bible speaks of humbling ourselves before God, it doesn't necessarily mean that we begin to think of ourselves poorly. It begin, we start to think of ourselves rightly, that we are sinful people in need of a Savior. But even more so, this type of humility means, it means I become teachable rather than arrogant. I become a I need to know it person rather than I know it all person. We've all seen that great poster that said, uh, quick, let me ask my 15-year-old these answers uh, to the meaning of life while he still knows everything. It, it's, 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 the, uh, it's the idea of, uh, of I, don't want, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. We become, we become teachable. Why are you doing with that? Are you willing to be taught by God? Are you willing to be instructed by God? 
One of the reasons that we may not be comes from, excuse me, I'm jumping you back up to verse 2, for gaining wisdom and being instructed. In some of your translations it says, for gaining wisdom and discipline. You see that word there? Discipline, instruction. Uh, circle that word. Here's a, it, the word could literally be translated reproof or correction or chastisement. It, it, it's, it means that uh, God wants to teach us skillful living and when we get off course, He will correct us out of the goodness of His heart, out of His amazing love, out of His love that never runs out, never gives up on us. Because of His great love, He disciplines His children. He chastises His children. He corrects His children. It means He has our best interest at heart. And He says, no, 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 no. This is not the way to do it. Let's come back on the road. No, 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 no. You're in the ditch here. Let me, let me tell you which way to go. But so if wisdom is so wonderful and wisdom is so great, why, aren't, why is it so rare? It's because of this second word. We don't want to be disciplined. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. It reminds me of so many people over the years in my life in ministry. Most in, in frequently it's high school and college students or young adults who will not ask advice of the people closest to them. Their, their, maybe their mom, their dad, maybe a brother or a sister, maybe their pastor or their life group leader. They won't ask their opinion over, over a considered action or decision because they don't want to hear what they have to say. They, don't, they know they're not going to agree with them. Well, what would you call that? Foolish. Foolish. And remember, life's hard. It's harder if you're stupid. But, or, if, or foolish, as God says. And to ask and to refuse, to not take the opportunity to listen to God nor people who care for us the most, simply because we know they're going to disagree with us. It's foolish. You ever done that? Sure you have. I have. I have. It's a very foolish thing to do. That's why wisdom is so rare. We don't. We don't want to be disciplined. We don't want to be. We don't want people telling us that we're wrong. Well, God help us with that. Instead, we should have an attitude of receptivity. It says, "Lord, teach me." I am willing to submit to your teaching. I'm willing to be instructed by you. I'm willing to be corrected by you. I'm willing to be chastised and disciplined and, and turned around, whatever it takes to get me out of the wrong direction because you know I'm about to go over the cliff. I, I, you see things I don't see. You counsel me with your eye upon me and show me the way to go. Proverbs 30, I mean, uh, Psalm 32.8 says, God sees further than we do. Now, you see things I don't see. You counsel me with your eye upon me. It is a willingness. So I, we just might as well ask right up front, let's do a spiritual inventory right now. Are you willing to be taught by God? Are you willing to humble yourself before Him by saying, you are God and I am not, and I am willing to submit my will unto you. You teach me. I'll do what? I'll do what you want me to do. I'll follow your correction. Are you willing to do that? If not, catch up with us later, guys, because you're stuck. Right there. You shall be no wiser than you are. 
at the moment. It begins by uh, receiving. This in verse 4 goes on, and all of a sudden it puts us in the position not of the learner but of the teacher, that these Proverbs exist for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Now we begin to see who needs wisdom here. First of all, he, he references here the inexperienced. Uh, some of your tra- how many of your translations say for uh, teaching prudence to the simple? Anybody got that? Uh-huh. Do we like that word prudence? It reminds me of the old Beatles song. How many old Beatles fans we got in here that'll admit it? Old prudence, won't you come out and play? You know, prudence sounds like prude. You prude, you know, prudence. That doesn't sound like a good word, but it's a word that means it's a it's a good word. It means cunning. To teach cunning, to teach shrewdness, it, to teach street smarts, uh, but for with the right purpose and all, it's the right kind of shrewdness. But to teach this to the uh, the simple. Now, when he says simple, there he's not me- speaking of dull people, people who are not intelligent. It means inexperienced, naive, young, just haven't lived l- long enough yet. You know, you've heard me say from time to time in the early years of the church, we'd all look around and be a little nervous because none of the people living, I mean, none of the people leading the church had lived long enough to have good sense. And, uh, you know, I was 34 and I was the oldest man in the church just about. Well, good grief. It's a, people say there's not a God. There's a miracle. We're still all here. You know, it, it, he's speaking of inexperience. He's speaking of uh, being naive. He's speaking of just not... Knowing, again, this is not a slap. This is not an insult. This is not saying, oh, they're dumb. They're, you know, they're dull. No, no, no. It's just not knowing. Just ignorant. You know, ignorant's not a bad word. Ignorant just simply means you don't know. Well, when we are very young and we were very inexperienced, we don't even know what we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. But God gave us His wisdom to teach those of us who are naive and, and, and simple in that sense, and young and inexperienced, to teach us wisdom, to keep us out of the ditch. I, over, I had a father tell me many years ago about a conversation he had with his college-aged daughter, freshman in college. Great kid. They had a great relationship. I mean, she's, she was a great kid. Loved God, loved the church, loved her mom and daddy, loved the world, mature in faith, as, a, as an 18-year-old could be. Well, she'd come to her dad and asked if she could take the car and go on a road trip about a week long. He listened to her proposal, and then he very gently and kindly said, No, sweetheart, you can't go. Well, she blew up at him. Got very angry with him, very frustrated, and then she she played the the big Mike the big emotional card that comes to us parents. Says, "Don't you trust me?" He very kindly and gently said, "Of course I trust you. I just don't trust your judgment yet." Wow, he said, "You, you, you." You don't have enough experience. You don't understand some things. She did not understand all of the challenges of a young single girl doing a cross-country drive by herself who'd never done that kind of thing before. Just didn't get it. Well, she was 
young. She was naive. She was simple in, in this sense. So those of us who are, haven't lived long enough to know, good, we need this wisdom. He goes on to say not only uh, the young, but he says, verse 5, a wise man will listen and increase his learning, and a discerning man will obtain guidance. He says, the book of Proverbs is not just for young, naive, inexperienced people who don't have wisdom and skill yet. It's for those who already do. He said, the, the, the man or woman who is already mature, the man or woman who already has God's wisdom, the man or woman who's already there, they should increase their learning. Be a lifelong learner. So those of you who consider yourselves already wise, and you may be, then, then don't stop. You will keep on learning. There's much here for you. And he also says not only will we receive wisdom, but he wants to teach us clear thinking. In, the, in verse 2, he says, these proverbs are given for understanding insightful sayings. This means having the ability to look at a situation and identify all of its moving parts and to see how they fit and to understand and to see how if we set this in motion, this is going to be the outcome. That, that's what that term means. We'll be able to think clearly through situations. It's maturity. Bob Beale, the very wise uh, writer defines maturity as the ability to place process between opportunity and decision. The ability to place process between opportunity and decision. Proverbs will teach you clear thinking, the ability to put the right kind of thinking process through an opportunity for an action or a behavior and the decision that you make to see clearly. What's wise? Not just what's right and wrong, but what is, what is wise. Uh, he will teach us this. If you go to verse um, uh, 6, it speaks more of this. This is for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. He's speaking here of some of the big questions of life. The big ones. Where did we come from? How did we get here? Who do we belong to? What is my identity? Where am I going? What is my purpose? Why is there evil and suffering in the world? I mean, we're talking the million dollar questions. He's saying He gave us, He gives us this wisdom and this ability to think clearly that we may also begin to have some understanding of some of the huge life issues that mankind faces that we struggle, with which we struggle. So here's what, here's what He's doing. Here's what he's doing. He's inviting you and he's inviting me to come stand alongside some of the wisest sages in human history, very wise people, and, and listen in as they talk about God and they talk about life and they talk about death and they talk about eternity and they talk about uh, world societies and they talk about suffering and they talk about evil and they talk about good and they talk about mankind's purposes and our reasons for existing and how we are to live that out practically in the world. And as we slow down across these months, as we slow down and dig deep, we find that maybe we will start setting aside our smartphones and maybe we will lay down our iPads and maybe close our 
laptops and begin to soak in the eternal knowledge and wisdom of God and find that we begin to move away over time from our two-cent answers to million-dollar questions and begin to become men and women, boys and girls of substance. I would even say profound people who God uses beautifully and wonderfully in this world. One more word, let's wrap this up. Verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Say, so wait a minute, Pastor, what's he saying? He's saying that in Christ Jesus do we find the ability to be wise. You say, wait a minute, are you mean there are people of other world religions and who live in other cultures who don't follow the God of the Bible, you mean they can't be wise? I'm not saying that, that people who, uh, that unbelievers or followers of other faiths can't uh, gain practical wisdom for living. I'm not saying that. And can't benefit from the words of God that we find in the wisdom literature in the Bible. I'm not saying that at all. Here's what I am saying. Let me go back and redefine wisdom. In our culture, in Western thought, this is important, we define wisdom as knowing what's wise, knowing what's best, knowing what the good thing is. And then we spend our lives, you know, kind of working that out. The ancient Hebrew writers inspired by God considered that total nonsense. Therefore, God, who inspired them, considers that definition of wisdom to be total nonsense. To know what to do, but not do it? What would that be? God says foolishness. Even knowing the wise thing to do is not enough. If we do not do it, God considers us the fool who despises wisdom and instruction as given in verse 7 there. God's definition of wisdom is not knowing what to do. God's definition is doing it. God's definition is doing wisdom. Wisdom is not the knowledge of skillful living. It is the actual doing of skillful living according to the will and ways of God. That's why I defined it earlier as Wisdom is living in such a way that pleases God. So, my temptation as I've been reading through this is I've been thinking about all these other people out there. I said, boy, they need this. I hope they come to church. You know, my this, my neighbor, my friend, my relative. You know, yeah, oh man, they need... And then I, I realized that the fear of the Lord, not, not being afraid of God, not being afraid of God. Not being, oh no, here comes God. I'm going to get it now. That's not what this term means. It means what I mentioned earlier. An openness to God. An eagerness to know Him and follow Him and, and hang on to Him and have Him impact our lives. A, a, uh, a, and a reverent awe of our almighty, all-powerful, morally perfect, incredibly gracious God. That we stand in awe of Him and worship Him and run to Him and trust in Him. That's the fear of the Lord. That is the beginning, that's the threshold of wisdom. 
Today we would say it's thinking in those terms of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. For the New Testament says, In Christ is hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ. Book of Colossians tells us. Jesus Himself defined following Him as wisdom when He closed out the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. Remember the parable? He said, He who hears my words and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the sand. Winds came, floods came, beat against that house, and its fall was great. He who hears my words and does them. Oh, there's the doing wisdom, not just knowing it, hearing and doing. He who does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. A wise man who built his house on the rock. The winds came, the floods came, beat against that house, but it stood firm because it was built on the rock. That is the wise man. He defines wisdom as following him. I find that my question has to be, do I always do what I know is the wise thing to do? I mean, always, in every circumstance. Do I always do perfectly what I know is wise? Do I, do I ever do things that I know are not wise, are not right, are not good, are not pure, are not healthy? Do I ever not do things that I know I should be doing? Let's go back to those questions we asked first. Well, yeah, it, and at that point, I'm becoming foolish. Here's the thing. I told you last week. We all become fools at times. It is in those moments that I am the fool who despises wisdom and instruction, and I get in trouble. God gives us this mandate to tell us that we're all fools in need of a Savior because it is the fear of God, it is the following of Jesus that is the threshold of wisdom. So let's pray. We're going to turn our... Just move into a time of prayer very quickly. And you just ask God for wisdom. Ask for His help. Ask. And if you've never committed your life to Christ, the, the, the coming to Christ, placing your faith in Him as your Lord and Savior, that's the beginning of wisdom. That's the starting place. So come to Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.